Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor. In your company, a challenge? Are you battling turnover and struggling to draw key talent? Is your team not performing at the level you want? Problems present themselves through conflict, miscommunication, creative differences, unclear expectations, and motivational issues. ARC Integrated is here to address these challenges through executive coaching and customized interactive trainings. Create lasting positive change that will improve your bottom line and create a culture that attracts talent and reduces turnover by going to arcintegrated.com. That's arcintegrated.com. What if investing in each other could change the world? I'm Joel Skeen with bizradio.us, and this is the Mindful Marketplace. Happy spring. Good morning. Happy to have all of you back here listening to the Mindful Marketplace. It is, um, I'm really grateful for all of you for listening. I know there's a ton of content out there. You could listen to just about anything out there, but the fact that you spend your time here on Biz Radio US and listening to the Mindful Marketplace, it means a lot to me. And I'm excited to get to deliver something really exciting here today. We're going to do a lot of education here today. Today is going to be an opportunity to really learn about a lot about one of the most important financial topics of our times. And I want to also give a shout out to, by the time this airs, we will have completed our first rendition of the Community Financial Education course. Um, I actually got to go on Ryan um, Marshall's show, The Real Deal, here on Biz Radio recently. And he and I were talking about the economy, the real estate market, debt, about a bunch of other things. And one thing that just kept coming up was just how much it's needed for average middle American families and small businesses to have some more access to true financial education so that they can understand exactly how to really best utilize their situation and achieve their goals. There's a lot of information out there about how to get money, <laughs> about how to get funding, or you know, there's a lot of things out there, but there's not a great um, necessarily support network and good education around how to actually manage finances. So really excited that we got to do that first one. We are going to be doing that event monthly uh, for the most part. So if you missed the first one, please go onto mindfulmarketplaceshow.com and click on the events tab to find out when the next one coming up here is. Um, but we have got a fantastic guest on today. He is the chief distribution officer for Quility, and he's really going to help us talk about debt. Um, you know, for those of you who have listened to the Mindful Marketplace before, you know that a lot of our val- two of our kind of core principal values here are around the idea of investing in each other and really around the fact that your dollar is your vote. We talk a lot about how to invest your money sustainably, how to invest your money locally, how to invest your money into your community so you're not just receiving a financial return on your investment. You're not just getting that dollar ROI, but you're also actually getting a social return on investment. But one of the biggest things that comes up for people who would like to do that, who would like to make a bigger impact with their spending dollars and with their investment dollars is it's difficult to do so because they are a little strapped because it's tough out there. And one of the things making it really tough for so many families is the issue of debt. So I brought on here an absolute expert and specialist on our debt situation as a country, on the debt situation for individual families. And really, we're going to do some education on how to get out of debt without spending any extra money and really just talk about what that looks like and how you can really utilize that information for yourself. So really pumped to have on Mike Resma, Chief Distribution Officer of Quility. Mike, thanks for being on the show here today. 
Absolutely. Thanks for uh, having me on. Excited to be here and spend some time with everybody. Yeah, I'm really glad to have you on, man. I'm uh, I'm really impressed by you, and I'm really excited to get to learn from you here today. Um, could you give our listeners, though, just a little brief background on yourself? I know you're here in the Western North Carolina, Asheville area, where Biz Radio US is stationed out of. Um, but yeah, give me a little background on to kind of where you come from and how it is that you got, um, you know, so interested and so passionate about the debt problem and solving it. Absolutely. So um, I started out in the insurance industry in 2012. So now it's going on 11 years. I had come from uh, the retail space and being an executive in uh, the retail industry. And I was like, you know what, I, I want to provide more value, start up a business of my own and, uh, and, and see where that takes me. So 2012, I got my insurance license, was a producer really focusing just on life insurance protection, you know, tax-free retirement strategies and asset protection, and uh, went on to build an agency. And then in 2019, I learned about uh, this program, Debt-Free Life, which is basically using you know, infinite banking strategies and debt elimination strategies all in one to create a customized report to show people how to leverage their money in a better way. No additional money, just really finding their inefficient dollars that's currently output into other things that aren't providing value for them and funding these strategies. And I just saw the impact that it was making on American families. And I just knew that this is what I was meant to do and share and continue to grow and provide value to the middle American families that need the help the most because the, the middle market in our country is the most underserved. You know, a lot of financial advisors that are out there, unless you've got a half a million dollars, right, or $250,000 worth of assets, they're not spending time with those clients. And those, that's the backbone to our country. Those, those are the people that need the help the most. So when I learned DFL, um, I immediately wanted to start doing it myself back in 2019. And at that point, I had a 640 credit score. Being self-employed, I was 1099. You know, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm just uh, another month away from paying off all this debt. I just need to help out more families. I'll be able to pay off this debt. And it just got me into a bad situation and over leverage. So when I learned it in 2019, I implemented these strategies for myself. And within a couple of years, paid off all the debt, upgraded houses, turned my credit score from 640 to 805. And I just, I knew that there was something here. And now what we've done is we've taken this program and continue to build out certification courses to teach um, people these strategies and go out into the country and provide as much value. And now we have a goal to get rid of a trillion dollars of consumer debt and interest, take it away from the banks and put it back into the pockets of American people. So really, really excited to spend some time with you and kind of dig into this stuff today. Heck yeah, man. And I, I love what I love about that part of your story that you just mentioned is that you learned and were educated and applied that education to get yourself free from debt. And then you kind of turned yeah. around and did and said, you know what, that's nice that I got free but let's get some other free people free as well. You know, it's kind of the, um, there's a, a, a good friend and mentor of mine before we lost him to cancer used to say that hurt people hurt people, but free people, free people. And so for, you know, what the lesson I took from that is that getting yourself free financially and getting yourself free from debt so that you can be more free physically, 
psychologically, you know, spiritually, when you don't have that debt monkey hanging on your back, really, you know, it sounds to me for, for you, it's not just a nice thing to do. It's, it's kind of a duty and an obligation to become free so that you can help others get free too. Absolutely. That's actually one of my things. We have a duty and obligation or responsibility to help as many people out as possible, because if we're not going to do it, who is And the status, the financial um, status that we're in as a country nationally, but then also, like you mentioned, personal and consumer debt, it's just the numbers are staggering and I don't see a path of things changing without programs like this and more people sharing this to uh, middle American families to change their position as well. So it's not about what we can do for ourselves. It's how much value we can provide to the rest of the families out there. That's great. Um, Let's zoom out a little bit on that problem. You actually introduced me to a website that I found to be incredibly useful that's put together, I believe, by the Fed and the Treasury Department called the U.S. Debt Clock. Um, you know, talk to us a little bit about what you've learned and when we zoom out on the big picture of what debt is for our country and for, you know, what the numbers are for the average American family, you know, let's, uh, <laughs> it's always a scary thing to do to look at the problem, but, you know, I think, uh, what did, uh, someone said recently, a, a problem well-defined is half solved. So can we right. zoom out a little bit on really what is um, what is that problem of debt in your mind and in the understanding that you have? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the, it, there's two different factors here, right? We have our we have our country's debt, and then we have consumer debt. We can't control what our federal government does, how money, and what they're doing, and you know, future plans to change taxes and regulations and, and laws. But what we can do is we can focus on what's going on at the personal level and then share and educate people and and hope that we can help influence some change there. But it is important to know what's going on at the federal level because we have to be thinking about the future and what potential changes might be happening so we can be proactive and not reactive. So if we're zooming out to your point, right? And what I really like to do is I like to look at things prior to the, the pandemic Um, that started in in February of 2020, because that's when I really started looking at these federal debt levels. Um, And if we look at prior to the prior to the pandemic, so this was February of 2020, our U.S. national debt stood at $23 trillion. Now, this is how much debt we have as a country. um, And what we want to measure that with is really how much revenue we are bringing in as a country, right? If you look at our country as a, as a business and for all of the business owners that are out there, you always look at, well, how much money is coming in and how much money is coming out, right? So if we look at February of 2020, right at the pandemic, we have $23 trillion worth of national debt, but our US gross domestic product, our country's revenue, all of the revenue that we bring for all the products and goods manufactured and sold and services within our country's borders, our revenue was only $21 trillion. So think about that for a second. Our national debt was $23 trillion, but our country's revenue was $21 trillion. So is it ever a good business model to have more debt than income 
coming in. Our, you'll hear a lot of times in the news people talking about debt to GDP ratio, debt to GDP ratio. That's our debt to income ratio, which I think everybody knows, especially the homeowners that are out there. We're, we're gauged off of our debt to income ratio on how we can qualify to purchase things in life. Well, if you look at our debt to income ratio as a country in February of 2020, it was 106%. We, are over, we were over leveraged at that point. We had $23 trillion worth of debt and only $21 trillion worth of income coming in. You know, just kind of keep that in perspective. When you're, buying, when you're buying a house, typically your debt to income ratio, the cap is going to be for, for most lenders, and these are sometimes specialized loans, like 40, 45, 49% cap. But most lenders want you to be under 40% as a debt to income ratio. So think about that. Our country was 106% as a debt-to-income ratio in February of 2020. And if everybody looks at the usdebtclock.org and logs into that now, our national debt since the pandemic has gone from $23 trillion to $31 trillion. We have gone up $8 trillion since the pandemic in the last three years and our, and our revenue as a country has not gone up at that same pace. And today, our debt-to-income ratio, our debt-to-GDP ratio is 120%. So we That's just continue. Uh, yeah, keep going. No, keep, I was just go going to say, it's well, that, that number is, is a little shocking. I am kind of curious if we, <laughs> you know, a, a homeowner has to, has to have a credit score, right, to, to be able to, uh, to purchase a home or to take out a loan, I, I kind of wonder what the U.S. the the country's credit score would be right now, uh, where we'd be, <laughs> where we'd be at. But just to give a little historical perspective there, so as far as I know, the only other time in history when there were two other moments in history when we have had more debt than GDP, where our G, where our debt to GDP ratio was over a hundred percent, and the first time was in 1929 when the Great Depression happened. Then it actually was down in 1960 to um, we brought it all the way down to 53%. You know, still not not as great as we would love it to be, but it continued down until 1980. And um, it was down at 34%. So at the end of the 70s, um, going into the 80s, we actually had a really good debt to GDP ratio. We had under 40, it was 34% at that time. But after the 80s and the 90s, by the year 2000, it was up to 59%. And then the other time that it got up to 100% was in 2008, was when the, the other financial crash happened. But you're saying that now we've actually beaten that record and we're at 120%, which I believe is the, yeah. the highest ratio we've ever had. Uh, what do you think yeah. that that says um, about the future for our country as far as what we do, whether it's taxes or it's, um, you know, how, how do we pay that back? What does that look like moving forward for us as a country? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And look, there's a, there's a lot of speculation. Nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody can tell you exactly what's going to happen in our, in our country in the, in the future, right? But if you, if you look at the usdebtclock.org and just continue to just dig into some of these numbers, another big one that we need to talk about that can help give us some information on what might potentially happen in the future is what's called the U.S. Unfunded Liability Section, which is standing at over $181 trillion of U.S. unfunded liabilities, meaning that this is the money that we're on the hook 
to pay out in the form of social benefits like Social Security and Medicare. And if you really dig into those social programs and, and look at what type of funding is going in, well, we know that Social Security, Medicare is paid through taxes. But if you actually go to the Social Security's website, I mean, this is something everybody can go on to, ssa.gov. Um, that is Social Security's main website, and they've created a, they've created a website is, well, will my Social Security be there when I retire? And the stat that they show right on their website with Social Security is Social Security in the future. The, uh, um, by, age, by 2034, that there's only enough funding to pay out 78% of the benefits in 2034 if there are not any legislative changes or any changes to taxes. So one of two things need to happen by 2034 with Social Security. Either they need to tell every single Social Security retiree, hey, guess what? We don't have enough funding. We're going to have to reduce all of your Social Security uh, income paychecks by 22% because we don't have enough funding. Or they're going to have to increase taxes so that we can fund the Social Security program so that we can keep people whole because I'm, I'm not an expert by any means with Social Security and what's going on with our government. But I can tell you if our government said that we've got to reduce all retirees' Social Security income by 22%, I don't think that our country could withstand that. So it's either taxes are going to have to go up or they're going to have to make some major reform or everybody's going to have to take a reduction. And the, the second piece to that is, is Medicare, and everybody can look this up as well. If you go to the congressional research, uh, um, congressional research Service, they've done projections on Medicare insolvency since its inception in the 60s. And it says since the inception of Medicare in 1966, the hospital insurance fund, which is part A of Medicare that has been um, financed through taxes, that is always projected to have a, a shortfall in that the last four years of this report, the, the report has come up that Medicare part A is projected to be insolvent by 2026. That's only three short years away. So if Medicare, which is funded by taxes, is projected to be insolvent by 2026, Social Security, which is funded by taxes, is only going to have 78% of funding by 2034. I don't know. What do you guys think is going to happen? You think taxes <laughs> or stay the same, right? It sure seems to me like taxes are most likely going to have to go up in some way or form. There's a lot of debate about who should be paying those taxes but you're right. When you just look at the numbers, it doesn't add up and taxes are going to most likely have to go up at some point. What does this mean, though? You know, if we can bring it down to the individual family, um, you know, what does this mean? Like how much are people actually paying in um, taxes and in debt? What does that actually look like for the average American family? Yeah, and, and it's also to un it's also important to understand, you know, inflation and pay scale index because yes debt we everybody in some way or fashion typically has some level some level of of debt and the the, the numbers are absolutely staggering just as a as a country um, our personal debt per citizen stands at seventy two thousand dollars and that's just taking the total per 
personal debt in this country, dividing it by the amount of citizens that we have to create the $72,000 of personal debt um, per citizen. Now, that number just continues to, to rise. But the underlying issue of what's going on, because we talked about our country's national debt and our income, debt to income ratio. But if you look at in the year 2000, the average price of a home was $162,000. Okay, think about this. The average price of a home in the year 2000 was $162,000. Do you know what it is today for, uh, for all across uh, the country, what the average home price is today? It's not 162. I would guess in between four and five hundred thousand at this point. Yeah, four hundred and ninety-seven thousand. So in the last twenty-three in the last twenty-three years, the the average price of everything—houses, cars, gas, food, milk—way more than doubled, right? And that's kind of that's that's kind of standard inflation we've seen over the last couple of years it's really been overinflated. inflation is at 40-year highs just the run rate that we're on over the last couple of years but if you take out prior to 2020 it's kind of been standard inflation rates so i'm not like overly concerned about things doubling in in 20 years but what's really really alarming is that the average income in 2000 was 31,667 and today's average income 23 years later is only 35,000. So our income, our pay scale index has only gone up by like 13 to 15% as a country in the last 23 years. But the cost of all of our goods and mortgages and the house, everything else is more than doubled. So if everything else is doubling in price, but we're only going up in average income 15% of that same time period, of course, families are, are forced to get into, into debt. And that's the, that's the major issue we have, inflation outrunning the pay scale index and people um, getting more income with their employers. Yeah, it makes sense. If you don't have the money coming in that you need to, you're either going to have to get out a second job, a third job, a side hustle, or go into debt seems to be the only real option for a lot of families. Um, this is going to be a two-part episode, so I'm really looking forward to dig in with Mike further on you know, the real cost of interest and also the strategies that have existed for decades to actually get yourself out of debt. Um, but I, I kind of want to tie these two together with a stat that I saw where we'll, we'll end here and we'll pick up with it in part two next week, which is that the average American family spends about 40% of their gross income on taxes, between income tax and all the other taxes that exist out there. But then they spend another 34% of their gross income on just interest on debt, which means that the average American family has just over a quarter of their actual gross income that they actually get to use on a month-to-month -month basis. Um, so Mike, thank you so much for joining us here for part one. Please um, tune in next week, same time, same place for part two. And as always, you can listen to this and all the previous episodes and lots of other hosts on bizradio.us. And you can listen to the Mindful Marketplace on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, um, Stitcher, you know, all the other platforms. Um, and you can also connect with me directly at mindfulmarketplaceshow.com. Click on the events tab to go to one of our community financial education courses. And if you want to learn more about the debt elimination product Mike is talking about, you can go ahead and just click on the button that says eliminate debt to learn more. I'm going to put it right there because I think this is so important. 
Um, thanks so much, Mike, for being on here uh, for part one. Looking forward to part two. And for all of you out there, take care of yourself and take care of someone else. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.